Good morning, everyone. The title of this talk this morning is The Practice of Stillness. If you reflect on the Zazen posture that we're all doing, um, it's made up of a few components. Um, we're committing to sitting as still as we possibly can. Um, and we're also committing to being silent. And we're also committing to focusing the mind in the present moment. And all of those things combined are a kind of stopping, a stopping and settling and just being. So all of those things make up the Zazen experience. And uh, it's, very, it's very hard to just stop the mind or stop the restless mind. It's not so easy to just go, okay, stop restless mind. It just keeps wanting to keep on chugging away. Um, so, as I was mentioning during the Zazen earlier, um, really, the, really the, the best key to developing good meditation or settled meditation is through the body. So, we can commit to the body being still, just like you can stop your car, you know, and park your car. You can actually do it. It's something which is achievable. You can stop your body. And you can also... Um, stop the tongue as well. You stop speaking. They're doable things. You just have to make a decision and do it. And if you do those, if the body is um, still and you're committed to stillness um, and you're not speaking, you're committed to silence, the restless mind has got a chance to slow down you know, and get off its restless kind of searching and, and um, craving. Um, so it's very important to recognise that um, not only in sitting, um, in informal sitting, but in everyday life. And the nature of sitting still is not sitting still like a tense statue. Um, the whole point of it is to sit still and relax into the body, right, um, in, in a very settled kind of way. Um, when you think of today being Sunday, and in the in the Christian tradition, do you know Sundays is a holy day, you know? But one way of thinking of a holy day is it's a holiday, right? It's a holiday from restlessness. It's a it's a holiday from doing all the time. It's a chance just for the body to stop, right? But not only just for the body to stop. For the tongue to stop and the mind to stop, that would be a real holiday if we could do that. Of course we have to get into doing mode. All human beings go into doing mode. But all if, if ever we do is do, do, do and think, think, think and speak, speak, speak and we can't stop and get off it for a while, then it leads to a dissatisfying kind of life. So sitting meditation in its truest sense is a is a stopping of mind and speech and body and dropping into a, a complete relaxation of experience and settling into experience. And it seems like it's very hard for human beings to do that. Um, you know, if you think just in, a, in Australia at the moment, you know, um, 
a number of people on a Sunday who can just completely stop, um, do nothing, is probably very few, except for a few meditation centres and a few people who are in silent prayer, you know, whose, whose religion is to actually stop. Um, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to do, otherwise we're just driven, like we've got a motor inside of us, like someone with ADHD, like we just keep going and going and going and we can't stop. It's a lack of control, really. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also important to be able to do that, not just in, um, in formal sitting, but to have moments in our life where we stop, just like if you're at a, sitting at a desk at your computer, just sit there for a minute. Just actually commit to being still and not, and not moving your body at all for a minute it will set up the conditions in which your mind will naturally want to be present. And, and just to come back to formal sitting too, the sitting still and the sitting still. Um, and when you're really committing to sitting still, you're not wriggling your toes, you're not moving your hands, you're not making little facial gestures, you're just stopping all of it. Um, you're not scratching an itch or anything. The only good reason to move in sitting is if you really are in pain and, and certainly you should, you should move your body in some way mindfully if you're in pain. But barring that, um, it's making this complete commitment to stillness really sets up the conditions in which the mind can really settle and then you have um, an enjoyable experience as I think, or you're more likely to. But the way the mind works, it's restlessly seeking or searching for something or trying to work something out all the time, and that restlessness manifests itself in the body. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said before, it's easier to start with the body from the bottom and work up rather from the top and work down. So please bear that in mind. When, when you're sitting and um, see if you can sit as still as you can, but as relaxed as you can. Just let go of any, just sometimes scan your body and go, am I holding that shoulder up? You know, am I tightening my belly? What, what's unnecessary? It's just the dropping away of everything which is unnecessary. That's what Sazen is. Now, when you look at this within the context of the psychology of, of Buddhism, um, what the Buddha was basically teaching us in modern day language is we're all addicted, we're all addicts in some way. And um, if you look at the Wheel of Life and Death or it, uh, versions like that, the um, dependent um, co-arising, the conditions that lead to suffering, it's a circle. It's describing a circle and it's describing a feedback loop. And when you when you experienced in, um, in in dealing with the psychology of addictions and some of the models and theories of addiction, it becomes absolutely clear to you that what the Buddha was teaching in modern day language was the psychology of addiction. And addiction in its more obvious and grossest forms is like, you know, drugs, alcohol, gambling, etc. Um, 
But all of us as human beings are addicted to something. And it comes out in that um, reading we did of Joko's this morning, The Cocoon of Pain. We're all addicted to pleasantness of some kind or another and we're all avoiding unpleasantness. And we all go about it in various different ways to achieve that. And it leads to more dissatisfaction. Right? So we're addicted to the pleasant. We're, we're addicted to pleasantness, and we think we're going to get there through um, working everything out, um, having power, having status, having knowledge, being more attractive, winning, winning games, or winning sporting events, or winning arguments, whatever it might be. We all have worked out our strategy that we think is going to get us to some kind of happiness and peace. Just like the alcoholic thinks another drink is going to make them happy. So that, that cycle of addiction is a feeling of craving for something, like a restless craving, then the grasping for the thing that'll make us feel okay, and then the consuming of it, and then the feeling of dissatisfaction that comes after that, and then the craving again arises, and the grasping, and the consuming, and the dissatisfaction. That's the nature of dukkha, right, that we all experience. So we think of addiction as like a category of it, it's just those people over there. But it's best to think of these, a lot of these psychological issues that we have they're all spectrum disorders. We're all on the spectrum somewhere from mild to moderate to severe, but we're all on the spectrum of addiction. We're all on the spectrum of narcissism. Right? Um, those medical models put us into categories, we're either in it or we're not. But it's a more useful way to think that we're, we're all somewhere on those spectrums and that's what we're working with. That's what brings us to practice. And just as is the case with, um, like as a psychologist working with people with addictions, um, and these can be very extreme addictions, like extreme heroin addictions or alcohol addictions that people have had for 10, 20, 30 years. And pe people are capable of stopping. There, there are many people I've seen um, in therapy who have had a serious addiction to something and they've woken up and they've stopped and they haven't drunk again or taken drugs for 10, 20, 30 years. Uh -huh. So we need to remind ourselves we can do it. Right? And even with our, our addictions of addiction to knowledge or addictive addiction, worried addiction to something, you actually, you actually it's good to remember you, you can stop. And um, people demonstrate all the time that they, they stop through 12-step programs or by coming to Buddhism and Zen centres. You learn how to stop. Yeah. And you may ask the question, like, well, well how do you stop? <laughs> right? And, um, well, you could go into a lot, of, a lot of elaborate different techniques and so on, you know, like like noticing, mindfully noticing your urges, you know, and letting them pass and things like that, or doing things to distract you, you know. But as any, any um, 
any addict, do you know, who, who has stopped drinking will tell you, you just got to pick a day and stop. It's, you know, it's as simple as that. You know, it's like in your car, you can put the brakes on and you can stop. And, um, but it's like we've got to suffer enough, we've got to recognise the causes of suffering enough, we've got to recognise the consequences of that restless, addictive nature. We've got to suffer enough to go, no, don't want to do it anymore. It's a waste of time, it's a waste of my life. It's causing me harm, it's causing other people harm. No, I'm not doing it anymore. And like with any addict, we relapse. We make a commitment and then we relapse and make a commitment and we relapse until we finally get there and we realise, no, we just have to stop. And that's the nature of dukkha. That's the nature of craving and attachment to pleasantness that we're all dealing with. When you, to apply this in everyday life as well, um, just some, a couple of things I've been noticing um, of late. Uh, like many of you, I go out for a walk most day during this COVID lockdown, and I like to go to a particular place I like to go to is a headland where I can look out over the harbour. And if you just lie, don't have to do zazen, just sit on the grass, you know, and, and just be present in that, those circumstances. And you just observe the behaviour of other people. Some people come down, they take a cursory look at the view. They can't stay, stay there more than about half a minute and they move on. Or they're talking all the time or they're on a device all the time. Um, so many people find it just so difficult just to stop and enjoy it and look at the view and absorb it. They're just driven like a, an engine inside of them, moving, on, moving them on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So Zazen is, is, a, is ultimately an enjoyable experience of just stopping and absorbing the view, you know, absorbing the, the wonder of the present moment. Mm-hmm. And then you feel like you've had a good meal. It's not like eating junk food. It's like you've had a good meal, you're satisfied. You're not going to be hungry and craving something in the next moment because you're fulfilled and you're contented. Or another example is there's a place sometimes I go nearby um, where I get a, a takeaway coffee in the morning and it's a very busy place, you know, and everyone's just getting takeaway coffee during COVID because you can't sit in there. And it's often many, many people standing around in the store and if, you, if you're practising Zen at that point, you just, you just stand firmly on two feet and you stand and just commit to being still and waiting for your cup of coffee. You can practise Zen anyway. Um, and I don't mean, I hope I'm not coming across as being critical of observing other people. I'm not criticising other people. But if you look around you, in those circumstances when you're just still and quiet and observant, you see people can't, they can't sit still for a moment. Right? They're on their phone, they're running in and out of the store doing something else. Um, you can see their mind spinning at 100 miles an hour, the next thing you've got to do, they're rushing out all over the place. Um, whereas you can just 
stand there and be still and just enjoy patiently waiting for your cup of coffee to come. And then to follow it through, you get your cup of coffee and you're so busy and you're on the phone and drinking coffee and wondering about the next thing you've got to do, you don't even enjoy the the pleasurable things of life. It's not even a stopping to actually fully savour the pleasurable things of life when you're in that, that mode, that onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. So Sazen is to put it in the within the frame of the psychology of Buddhism. We're on this wheel of addiction and the Buddha's kind of saying to us, stop, get off it. Just stop and get off it. Well, how do you get off it? Well, you sit still and you're quiet and you focus your mind in the present moment. That's the way to get off it. And if you do that long enough, it'll seep into your being. You'll see that that's your natural way of being. This this craving was not the real you. So remember when when you do sit either formally together as a group or you sit on your on your own first make that commitment just to sitting committing to just being still in the body but i mean it i want to emphasize in a relaxed way we just you just remind yourself what's really necessary at the moment just to be upright symmetrical not tensing any muscles that need to be tensed just enough tension in your spine to keep you upright. Everything else just drops away. And if you just commit to that and then to your breathing, don't worry too much about what your mind is going to do. If you just commit to that, it, it will settle down, you know, and it'll slow down. And it's always moving like it's a stream, but it doesn't have to be a restless moving that's jumping from one thing to the other. It's just a steady stream. And then you'll you'll experience that, you'll be part of the, the stream of time coming and going. Thanks everyone. Caught in the self-centred dream, only suffering, holding to self-centred thoughts, exactly the dream, each moment, life as it is. The only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. God. In the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way.